This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. God uses ordinary preachers, not just the superstars, not just the people with the big platforms, not just the people with the big venues, but God uses ordinary preachers, sometimes in small towns, sometimes in small places. Preaching is one of those things that we give our life to knowing we will never master it. This is Matt Woodley, and we are recording the final episode of season number four of the Monday Morning Preacher Podcast from PreachingToday.com at Christianity Today. Wow. Kevin Miller, it's great to have you with us. Yeah, and I, I'm struggling to believe it's been four seasons already. That doesn't seem possible. Yes, folks. And uh, Kevin, of course, has been my inspiring, insightful, intrepid co-host over these four seasons. Uh, you know, you just did three points, all alliterated. That was ingenious. Well, you know, you know, we've both been to Nigeria, and you say you got to be ready to preach on the spot. You also got to be willing to alliterate on the spot if you're a preacher. <laughs> okay. Uh, friends, do not listen to Matt Woodley's <laughs> preaching advice. <laughs> okay. You know, seriously, this is the, the final episode of season number four, and this is our 83rd total episode of Monday Morning Preacher. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, I've been listening to you that long. <laughs> you mean you've been blessed uh, that long? Over 83, <laughs> well, we haven't been together 83 episodes, but we have done four seasons. So, you know, in the past four years, seriously, though, think of what we've been through. We've been through a global pandemic, uh, nationwide lockdowns. Preaching in front of a camera. Oh, my goodness. What a switch that was. Uh, a presidential election and transition, which was, let's just say, rough. The fracturing of political landscape, uh, the death of George Floyd, a racial reckoning in this country. We've lived through four more years of preaching, growing as a follower of Jesus. And I think it's time. Let's review Let's highlight and remember some of the biggest lessons we've learned or we're still learning about preaching over the last four seasons of Monday Morning Preacher. Okay, that sounds good. Well, how do you propose we go about it? Well, you know, we've had this friendly debate about the three-point sermon versus the one-point sermon. You mean where I conclusively <laughs> demonstrated the superiority of the one-point sermon? Uh, there you go again. I mean, here am I, uh, just a dove-like brother in Christ, uh, a peacemaker, as Jesus called me to be, and and you turn on me again with your divisive spirit. Oh, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to divide over this issue like we normally do. I think we're going to add. We're going to do both and. So we're going to take three plus one, and we're going to come up with the top four lessons that we've learned about preaching over the last four seasons of Monday Morning Preacher. How does that sound? Okay, so four lessons for four years. So does that mean you get two and I get two? Well, I get three points, you get one. No. <laughs> okay, I should have assumed. Because remember, you're the one-point guy. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> kind of backed yourself into a corner here, Kevin. Uh, no, let's, I, I, have. 
I be, again because I'm a peacemaker. We'll do two each, okay? Okay, you you, you go first. So here's lesson number one that I have learned and I'm still learning and I've relearned over the last four seasons. And I'll, I'll say it very simply, preaching changes lives. Amen. Yeah, preaching the word of God and the spirit of God with a heart of love for your people. It may not be perfect. You may not be the greatest preacher in the world, but the Lord will use it to change lives. Now, I, I debate with some preachers who or some maybe Preachers who think that preaching is, um, it's kind of had its day and the traditional model of preaching is, is dead. And I would say, you know, preaching is not, it's not everything. It's not your entire menu for discipling your people and leading your church, but it's certainly something and it's something crucial. And by God's grace and by God's power, when his word goes forth, it will not return void as Isaiah 55 says. Amen. I saw this again in the middle of the pandemic. It was actually a couple months ago. I got an email, long email from a young woman named Claire who came to our church about five years ago after her, a young mom, a newborn son, and her husband had tragically died in a car accident. And she came to our church. Some church members invited her. Completely no Bible knowledge, although very bright woman, uh, philosophy major in college, very smart, asked a lot of questions. And she sent me an email and just said, you know, I'm just so thankful for the church and I'm so thankful. And I just want to let you know that during the pandemic, I've grown in my love for the Bible as the word of God. I'm applying it to my life. And so I sent her an email back and said, Claire, I'm just wondering, how did the the preaching of our church play into that for you? And she said, well, when I first started coming, some of the preaching was just way over my head. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what you guys were talking about, but I kept coming. And the preaching had a profound impact on my life. She helped her come to know the Lord, accept Christ as her Savior, and grow in her relationship with the Lord. And so I think it had somebody completely unchurched. And here's the thing, though, but preaching is often hidden, quiet work. I didn't know about that profound change in Claire through preaching until she sent me an email. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like in our tradition, Kevin, it's kind of like the liturgy. People don't walk away going, wow, that Nicene Creed today, that was just amazing. Or that prayer of confession, I loved it, transformed my life. I won't be the same person. But we know that over the months and years, it quietly works on people and it changes. And I've seen that in preaching again and again. Yeah, it reminds me of a wonderful short poem by Wendell Berry. It goes, uh, what if we did our work like snow? Quietly, quietly, leaving nothing out. Ah. And I think that's the way preaching works. It's like a quiet snowfall that gradually the impact just builds and builds and builds in a person's life. And what happened in Claire's life is just such a great story. Yeah, that's really encouraging, Kevin. And sometimes as a preacher, you may not see you know, you may not see how the snow is actually accumulating, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's slow, but you can't see it. And, and that's the work of the Lord. That's the work of the spirit. And that is often hidden. But we believe that Christ has created all things visible and invisible. He does visible work and he does invisible work. So I, I really want preachers to be encouraged by the faithfulness of God over the long haul. Mm. So, uh, Kevin, yeah, how about you? What's the, the top lesson you've learned over the past four years? Well, I, you know, I looked back through all of our episodes, all the way back to the very first one, and 
I just realized, man, I'm still learning. I still mm. need to learn these topics. I, I will always be learning. I think that preaching is one of those things that we give our life to knowing we will never master it. Wow. And so how does that make you feel? Like you're, you're, you're never done. Does that make you feel discouraged, overwhelmed? Early on, it did. Yeah, because I just knew I could preach better than I was and I wanted to grow and I wanted to kind of I had this desire to master it, you know, and and now I actually accepted the fact I will never. And I think that is part of preaching's gift to me because it just keeps me humble. It's like, no, I will never be a five star Michelin chef. I'm Mm. just trying to serve up another meal for the family of faith that God has entrusted to me. And, you know, I I just think that's actually the way we need to go about it. I I read a great quote from Eugene Peterson this week, that the strongest sign of authenticity in what you and I are doing is the inadequacy we feel most of the time. Oh, wow. That's good. Can you read that again? The strongest sign of authenticity in what you and I are doing is the inadequacy we feel most of the time. So, I don't want to power up and feel like, oh, I got this sermon. You know, I'm going to crush this thing. I, you know, I, I want, I really want to stay in that place like Paul did, where I came in weakness, fear, much trembling, utterly dependent on God and trusted him to work. Wow, that's really good. So I'll put you on the spot here. What is one way that specific way that you are growing or want to grow these days as a preacher? Well, that would be my next lesson. If you want me Uh, to go ahead with my next one. No, I I do not. We got to stay in our order here. (laughs) We can't be disorderly. You know, I'm constantly, I'm trying to, especially with my applications and my conclusions, I'm trying to, as you, as we talked about in one of our podcasts, stick the landing, um, Mm. which is the, reference that you use to a gymnast who uh, goes over the vault and then uh, lands feet first and then she sticks the landing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to make it more concise, more with a little oomph and writing it out also helps because in the past I sort of like get to the end. It's kind of like, I'll figure that out when I get to it. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I didn't really stick. So anyway, I think last week I stuck the landing really well. Nice. And so anyway, that's one of the things I'm working on. Okay, so how about uh, number two for me? Here's the thing that I just keep coming back to that I've seen as the editor of Preaching Today, you know, and you've been involved in Preaching Today, actually, in your career. Brian, of course, Craig Brian Larson was the great architect of Preaching Today and spent years on and on as the editor. And he also contributed to this one thing, and that is that God uses ordinary preachers, not just the superstars, not just the people with the big platforms, not just the people with the big venues, but God uses ordinary preachers, sometimes in small towns, sometimes in small places. I've just seen that over and over again. One of the podcasts I love doing was a guy with a guy named Wesley Oden, who's in upstate New York. I remember that episode. Yeah, it was a great. Yeah, it was. He had just celebrated his 25th year at the same church. And he's actually got a, he's got a D-min under Haddon in preaching, under Haddon Robinson. So he's very well trained, but he's just a guy that most people have never heard of. And he's faithful. He loves the word of God. He loves preaching. He's faithful to it. And I have just seen over the years, God use ordinary preachers in ordinary places because 
they're the best person for their congregation. Uh, another guy too that that I loved was uh, Bishop Tim Clark mm-hmm. uh, from Columbus, Ohio. Bishop Tim, a shout out to you. He did a couple recent podcasts with us. A guy that it's like this guy needs to be discovered. I mean, he he is sort of he's got a network of churches under him with the Berean Fellowship, but Bishop Tim is just a man just with with godliness and wisdom and love and joy in the Lord and the the craft of preaching. So I just love the fact that God uses ordinary preachers. And I would say not only does he use as though he makes some special exemption to allow for it, I think it's his preferred method. Eugene Peterson has this great comment that the, the pastor should be the most ordinary person in the congregation. I think we've really gone the wrong direction in our American model of church leadership over the last few decades where we think the person should be larger than life, highly visionary, highly charismatic, et cetera, et cetera. That person has a place too in God's economy, but I don't think that's the appropriate model for pastoral work. And I don't think that's what we should aspire to. That's really true, Kevin. You know, earlier in my pastoral career, I wanted to be that preacher. Me too, man. I wanted the big platform. I wanted to be the big name. So you're supposed to ask me, Kevin, how'd that work for, how'd that work out for you? (laughs) So Matt, how did that work out for you? Yeah, two words, not well. (laughs) So, and I tell you what, I am much more content and much happier and much more joyful. And I think I'm a way better preacher without caring about that big platform. And again, it's not some people, the Lord opens the door for that. And Absolutely. so, and we rejoice with those preachers. But anyway, God uses ordinary men and women uh, to preach his glorious, extraordinary word. Amen. Okay, Kevin, we got, there's our three points. Uh, how about number four and number two for you? Well, you asked me where I've been working to grow in my preaching right now. And I think it's really in, helping people imagine and visually enter the Bible scene or the setting of the text. I saw something that was, it said it was an African proverb. I I don't know if that's really the case, that the best storytellers turn ears into eyes. And for me personally, that's where I've spent a lot of time working these last years is trying to help my listeners see the Bible scene. And so that means I have to kind of prepare differently than I used to. I'm intrigued by that, and I know this is something you've been working on. How does it uh, change your sermon prep? Well, uh, one, it requires me to not rely just on commentaries. Commentaries are great, but they don't tend to help much with this aspect of it. It's as though I'm actually like a filmmaker trying to figure out what kind of set and costuming and movement Mm -hmm. we're going to have. And so in order to do that, first of all, I need to slow down and kind of visually imagine the scene as best I can. And then I look in Bible atlases. So I get the topography or the distances. I I look in pictorial encyclopedias of the Bible. I'll go online and research how various painters or filmmakers have shown this Bible scene over the years. So yeah, I mean, I did an episode on this, episode uh, 49. And then even better than that is uh, a later episode, uh, episode 66 with Allison Gerber, where she talks about how to preach with a biblical imagination. So I'm, I'm taking a chunk of my prep time 
and trying to make sure that I have actually not just read the text, but I've seen in my mind's eye what it looks like. And then that adds a sense of realism and and sort of a compelling nature to the way I describe it when I bring my listeners in there. Wow. So you would love what one of our heroes of preaching, Daryl Johnson, said. The, the great. In the fourth season as well. We have a podcast with him, and he talks about the preacher's job is to, the text is like a room, he says. So imagine a room. The preacher's job is to go into the room and then to bring his or her people into the room with you and describe what's in the room. Like think of it like a room in an art museum where there's beautiful, there's a Rembrandt and there's a Van Gogh on the wall and you're, you're, you're describing what's in the room. So he says, so people don't want to leave that room, you know? So they'll come <laughs> out of the sermon and go, they may not remember all of your points or your point, but they'll just say, wow, I loved being in that room, that room of the word of God, you know, and I want to stay there this week. So anyway, that's, that's really good, Kevin. I really like that. I love that image. I, you know, the, the one that I've used is the wardrobe that leads into Narnia. And mm. so, you know, my job as a preacher is to kind of push through the fur coats and, and get through the, the pine branches until I see a goat-footed fawn holding an umbrella while it's snowing. And so and invite people into this whole new world that is accessible to them. They just didn't know how to get there, which is this life of the kingdom of God. Yes. Kevin, I think both of us are really clear. So I've been preaching for 28 years. So I'm going to ask you, how long have you been preaching? But then also, how long have you been studying the craft of preaching? Well, my first sermon was in my early 20s, but I did not start preaching consistently until probably my early 40s. And now I'm in my early 60s. Well, so 20 years of preaching consistently, but then yep. before that, you were also studying. You were. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I think from when I started working as a journalist, a lot of the tools I was learning, which I started studying really journalism at age 21, of concrete details and vividness and clarity of expression and so on, those things I started learning in my 20s. A lot of the, the issues of delivery and all had to come for me later in my 40s. And now I'm really working on simplicity and, as I mentioned, visual C, if that's a word. It's, it's a lifetime thing. How, how would you describe your own journey? Yeah, that's great. You know, I think in my first church, I came out of seminary and you, you sort of learn a technique and you think you got it. Okay, so this yeah. is this is the way you do it. And then you just have to repeat each week, repeat, go through all the, the same steps. You know, I was in a really small church and people were so loving and so kind. And I just thought, man, I just think I got preaching mastered. And then the longer you do it and you listen to other preachers and you learn from other preaching traditions, like Mm -hmm. In the last 10 years, I've done a deep dive into the African-American preaching tradition, which has just really changed my life. And I, I'm not trying to imitate that tradition, but I've just been deeply blessed by it and I've learned from it. Mm -hmm. And some international, some global preachers, uh, some of our Nigerian friends, for instance, and then just other preachers that are out there. And you realize, wow, this is just so 
such a multifaceted craft and there's so much to it. And there's so many points where I can keep learning and growing. And I used to feel pressure and I used to feel shame that I wasn't doing it well enough and measuring myself and performing well enough. But now I just kind of feel like this is really fun. This is like, I'm never going to be done, Um, (laughs) but, but it's enjoyable. It's not like pressure kind of growth. Yeah. I love that. That's you've described right where I am. And, and I think I come back to where you started this podcast, which is preaching changes lives. Preaching is worth it. It's worth the death cycle of the sermon where on Tuesday, I think I have nothing to say and we'll never get this sermon together. It's, it's worth the weight of it that we carry because once we stand and preach that word of God, as Bonhoeffer says, uh, the risen Christ walks among his people in the preached work. And yeah. to be a part of this process in which the risen Christ can walk up and down the aisles of our congregation and whisper by his spirit into the life of each one is just astonishing and and such a sacred privilege. And really, it's our joy. Yeah, that's a great word for it. It is a responsibility. It is a duty, it is a calling, but it is also a just such a great privilege that God, this is what never ceases to amaze me, Kevin, is that God could take such frail, weak, imperfect vessels and use us for his glory. Like last week when I preached, I just, I texted a, a friend, texted me, just said, praying for you today, brother. And I texted back, thank you, because I just don't feel worthy to get up and preach today. I just do not feel worthy. And he said, well, he texted back, yeah, but Christ is our righteousness. And uh, that, that was great. That was a great encouragement. But it is an incredible privilege. So preachers, we, we encourage you to, as the Apostle Paul says, to devote yourself, to, to give yourself to this work of rightly dividing and proclaiming the word of truth in season and out. It is worth it. It's worth your time and energy. And may the Lord use it. This is Matt Woodley with Kevin Miller wrapping up season number four of Monday Morning Preacher. 